today will be Revelation 7, 9-12. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> I added one more verse I forgot to tell you about. It's from Matthew 6, 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, let me pray for us. Father, we do ask that your kingdom would come. Um, Lord, give us a, a glimpse of heaven this morning. And Father, we do ask that you would speak. That this would not just be mere pinings of a, a man or... Um, just a, a thought that came to mind, but Lord, that your word would, would reach us, would rip us deep into our bones, and that would shake us and, and change us so we would walk out of here different than when we entered. So we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Well, good afternoon. Um, I'm honored. And excited because this is our very first sermon ever. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Maybe for the pastor or the nerd in me. Um, cool for me. Um, we've had a lot of um, talks and uh, we've had a few mini sermons. A few of, a few of us got a little preachy. Um, some, some of us got even a little excited. Uh, but, you know, what, what makes it a sermon versus a discussion? Uh, and that's, that's a big question. Um, you know, what makes it a sermon versus a talk or an opinion or just vision casting? Um, and for us here at Mosaic, um, it's this, that it, it has to come from the word. It has to, it has to be, it, it's a word about the word, from the word, highlighting and exalting the true word, Jesus Christ. And so I'm thrilled today that we get to begin feasting on the word and then even though I've loved the vision casting and, and talking about this, some of this I would just, it was almost like um, a coach doing a lot of practice and saying, yeah, I just want to go play the game. Um, and so I kind of wanted to, I'm, I'm excited to actually be in it now and for us to really be in it. Um, and so, but I want us today to look at the very end of this book. Who here has ever looked at the very end of, a, uh, of the story before reading it? Has anyone ever done that? Yeah, some of y'all? Uh, I mean, some of us have, have started to look at, like, you know, does the hero live or does the hero die? Um, will Thanos actually win? All right, so who, who here has actually looked up spoilers online? Anyone? Shame. Shame on all of you. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Everyone's like, <laughs> no one will ever raise their hand ever again. No, no, some of us love doing that. Uh, some of us like to look at, like, when we're reading even maybe it's romantic novels and trying to find out, will they get together in the end? Um, and even though I just yelled at you, shame, I'm joking, because uh, that's exactly what we're going to do today. <laughs> we're going to look at the end, and looking at the end is going to 
help us look at how we then live now. Like looking at where we're going to be is actually going to impact the way we are now. Because what, what this is that we're going to go look at is heaven. <laughs> we're, looking at, we're looking at heaven, like the template, the way things are meant to be. I mean, we're looking at the, the standard, Zion, the, the holy city, the holy of holies. And specifically today, we're going to look at the throne room, the inner control tower. And so this is where all the magic happens. And so today, as you may have saw before, the, the sermon is titled, As It Is on Earth. And so, or As It Is in Heaven. <laughs> um, well, today, as Jada has done in calling you to worship, or specifically God has done through her, through his work, because we're reading specifically from nine, Psalm 96 there. He called us to worship. He called us to gather together. He called us to, to worship. And this is kind of a weird thing, this worship that we do here. It's this act of not just gathering together, but it's drawing our attention and recentering our lives as they become very often. Center. They become very off on everything else. And so it's drawing our attention to Jesus. And these songs we sung today very much did that. But if you're an outsider or if you're um, not familiar with church, th- what this could feel like is we're singing a couple songs. You know, some guys talking from an old book. One day you guys will have some wine and some juice and maybe a little bit of bread. And you're thinking like, that's it? I want a taco. <laughs> that's it. But that, that's not what we're doing. That's not what worship is. It, it's as we said, we're being invited into the holy of holies in the presence of God to worship, to recenter our lives around the throne. And he who is seated on that throne It's being brought into a place where we really don't belong. And that is a tough feeling. You ever, you ever walked into a home and uh, you may have had some dirty shoes on and you just tracked your, your mud across their, their house and you felt like, oh no, I don't belong. Or just even walking into a building or a place and you looked around and you felt like, I don't feel like I belong here. I mean, that is an isolating and lonely, lonely feeling. And when we stand in the presence of God, there is a sense in when it says, He's so other and so holy, I don't belong. And yet, look who comes in God's presence. In verse 9, it says, And after this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, and standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes. And so, I mean, are you seeing this? He says, Who's welcome into the throne room? Multitudes upon multitudes. In a couple of verses in our passage here, we didn't read. John said he, he heard the number 144,000. I don't know if you can hear that number. But he heard the number 144,000. But now he sees a number that nobody can number. So somebody's welcome in his presence. Somebody is standing there with Jesus. And there's somebody from each nation and tribe represented. And so it's, it's not because you were born into this family that you're accepted. It's not because you're from this nation or tribe that you're accepted or your skin color that you're accepted. No, he says he's got an inside man and woman from every nation, tribe and tongue in heaven with him, in the inner control tower, in the holy of holies. And what this is actually doing, this is actually straight from Genesis. 
And so he, God, God says, I'm going to take you from the very last book of the Bible and go to the very first book of the Bible. And so when he talks to Abraham in Genesis, we see that God is on his mission. He says, Abraham, number the stars of the heavens, if you can. And he's not talking about no city light stars where you're like, satellite, uh, <laughs> airplane, <laughs> Where we think we saw three stars and it's not even an actual star. No, he's talking about when you're out in the, the desert and you look up and there's just millions and millions of stars up there. You're like, whoa. Number those stars, Abraham, if you're able to. And so shall your offspring be. For nations upon nations upon nations are going to come from you. And so what we see here is that all the nations are coming through Abraham. And so this is, this is an all nations message that I promised from the beginning. An all nations message that I'm going to bookend my Bible with from Genesis to Revelation. An all nations message to an all nations church and telling you what heaven's going to look like. And it will look like verse 9, a great number from every nation, tribe, people, and language. I love that they put language in there. And so there's going to be Chinese. There's going to be Australian. There's going to be Russian, there's going to be Ethiopian, Ugandan, Kenyan, Costa Rican, Scottish, Brazilian, Mexican, Canadian, all nations and all tongues. So we don't lose our language, which is fantastic in heaven. Except we're able to understand one another. And so we got Rosetta Stone in heaven. We are all translating each other, just going, oh, I got it. I got it. But we're hearing the beauty of, of the original native tongue. Isn't that a beautiful thing that he's saying from all nations, tribe, and tongue there? There's a reason he put that in there. And saying, this is what heaven's going to look like. And so why not on Sundays? And this is the the thing that breaks our heart here at Mosaic. That 88% or whatever the number is now of our nation's churches are segregated. That's still the most segregated hour of the week. Why is the church so divided? But this just can't be at church. Jamar Tisby, who we, we, we read uh, some of his book, The Color of Compromise, we talked about a lot. He recently said, this is going to hurt. A couple hours of multi-ethnic fellowship on Sunday does not make you an anti-racist. A couple hours of multi-ethnic fellowship on Sundays does not make you an anti-racist. And you think, dang. (laughs) Okay, okay. And what he's trying to say is it has to start at home. It has to start in the streets. It has to start in our communities. And that's what we're trying to stress. It's on earth as it is in heaven. Not only on Sundays, but please, let's make Sundays more multicultural. But Monday to Saturday is just as vital. We can't just all of a sudden be diverse. It has to take on every sphere. And so this all nations message to an all nations church is just normative. Like it's not the goal. (laughs) He's saying this is what it's going to be. Isn't that crazy? He's not saying like, ah, I'm hoping you guys push into that. He's saying this is just what it is. It's not the goal. It's the norm. And there are, it's almost as if um, years ago, I think smoking has uh, like smoking cigarettes in particular, I think has lost some of its, uh, 
um, steam. Like I don't see as many commercials for it. I don't see as many people smoking cigarettes. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But I feel like cigarettes has become this thing that like 60s, you had every like actor smoking, 50s, uh, you know, 70s. And it's just, it's kind of gone downhill. And everyone now is kind of like, <laughs> that's ludicrous. Like, you want to smoke rat poison? Uh, cool. Um, it, 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 it has become almost odd to find someone like that. And I, I just hope and pray that th- as we see this multicultural church grow and, and take off, not just here in Waco, but in the world, it's going to be like that when we see divided churches and just be like, oh, <laughs> like, you do that? It's, it'll almost be funny to, to see these churches because he promised this, this all nations gospel to Abraham, this all nations gospel, just how it should be. And the church has come a long way on this uh, and we have a much, much longer way to go. But as one of my mentors, Doug Logan, has said, we are not diversity centered. We are gospel centered. <laughs> so what he's saying is that diversity is just the normative. And as only Doug would say, or could say, in in the way he does, he says, you know, when I'm getting to heaven, I'm elbowing Koreans, I'm kicking Canadians, I'm pushing Albanians to get to Jesus. (laughs) And so all the nations are around the throne looking at Jesus, not at each other. Not going, oh, look how diverse we are. We've done it. We are here worshiping Jesus. We're here for who he is. Heaven is, is going to have, yes, it's going to be Norman as all nations and all languages, but all those languages are going to be praising Jesus. And that's what I need today. I need Jesus. I need Jesus in many, many ways. I need to be recentered today because my life can take on so many different things that become so important to me and I become so infatuated with those things. But this all-nations church where, where all are welcome is we need to get here to be refocusing our eyes on Jesus here. And so Revelation 7, all of them are, are, are looking at Jesus. And then it says they're, they're, they're wearing these white robes, which are those really plush bathrobes you get from hotels. Um, and, and they're with these palm branches, which is like a, a celebration. It's like equivalent to having balloons at a party. And they're crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the, on the throne and to the Lamb. Did you see what's at the center of the universe? That the center of heavenly worship is not diversity. Remember, that's the norm. But even that the center of, of, of the universe is not even God in the act of creation. It is God on the throne. That's the center of the universe, which is in a sense of saying divine sovereignty is at the very center of heaven. John saw God on the throne, and that's the image of a king who's sitting on his throne, who is completely in charge. The king isn't hurrying around his throne room, worried about what's going to happen. Oh, things are falling apart here on earth. No, he's sitting on his throne because he's, he's completely in charge saying, I've got this. Though we may be scurrying about, anxiously running about, the king is sitting on his throne. And so the very crown of their song is the Lord God omnipotent reigns. His will is their supreme delight. And that's just a, a peculiar subject of their joy. 
is that God's on his throne. That he sits upon it, he's ruling over all things, and all things do his bidding. And so that is the central thought of heaven, divine sovereignty. And I think some of us may need to hear that today. That God is on his throne. Like, are we so worried about what's happening tomorrow that we've forgotten that God's on his throne? If we, are, if we are killing ourselves and our body and breaking down because of all the stress and the anxiety, we need to hear God sitting. God's on his throne ruling. Rest and trust in that. What good is overworking and killing our bodies going to do when he's 100% in charge and in control? And that he's for you. This is one thing if he's 100% in charge. It's another that he's 100% in charge and he's for you. Because it's not just God Almighty out there. It's God and it says, and the Lamb. You see that? And the Lamb means good news. The Lamb means I can actually approach the throne. The Lamb means I'm not going to be completely obliterated by standing in his presence. And I, I just love how these two doctrines are put right next to each other. Put them side by side. That God is sovereign and that makes me tremble and feel not worthy. But Christ the Lamb makes me rejoice with trembling. But Jesus gives us access to the Father. Which is why in verse 11 it shows all creation. Angels, the elders, the four living creatures, and you and I falling on our face, worshiping God, saying in verse 12, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And if you get to the end of the forever, you've got to keep going. Because we're going to go on for a million years. And then a million more. And if you think we're going to get tired of saying amen and glory and power and wisdom and thanksgiving to be our God forever. Think of it as this way. You go to the Grand Canyon. And you're just like, wow. It's just a hole in the ground, right? <laughs> but wow. It's just immense. It's, it's massive. It's going in front of just a beautiful piece of art and going, I just need a little bit longer to stare at it. I'm getting, new, I'm getting something new today. It's as if our kids who want to watch the same TV show over and over and over and over and over again. And we, we say, ah, oh, it's annoying. Maybe they're onto something. We get to watch the same TV show in heaven over and over. Can I watch it again? Can I watch it again? How beautiful is that? And why is it beautiful? Why is it beautiful? Because verse 13, we didn't read it, but verse 13 says, Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in the white robes, and from where have they come? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And so who gets the plush bathrobes? They're the ones who washed their robes in the red blood of the Lamb and made them white as snow. I mean, without blemish. Welcome into the household of God. And this is just a, it's a death blow to that feeling that I don't belong. That I am 100% welcome. And he's saying, you are, you don't belong to this party. You're the reason I threw the party. I love you this much. I threw the party for you. Stop backing up into the corner. Step into the light because I want to see you. I love you this much. I died for you. And so you can worship Jesus all the time because knowing that he actually has true, genuine love for you. 
And everything else that may trip you up, you say it, it matters not because Jesus is that much in love with me. That the God of heaven loves me. I can worship all Jesus all the time because of that true, genuine love. And he's going to hold back the winds. He's going to hold back all those things that may trip you up. And, may, and I don't understand. Sometimes he allows things to just disrupt our plans. But it's in his wisdom to allow those things. I don't know why he does it, but I do know he loves me. And then that, that robe is significant. Those robes that we get are significant because we, we were born in, in nakedness. But now our nakedness reveals our, 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 our sin and our shame. Because before the time when, when we sinned, when Adam was there, he sinned and he was naked. And then he, he felt the shame and tried to cover himself with a fig leaf, right? And it was only a fig leaf he covered himself with. But Christ has come in and he has clothed us completely from head to toe. And so we have no shame in front of him. And so we can be complete, total, honest, vulnerable in our relationship with Jesus. Because we're covered. We've been washed. In the red blood of the Lamb, we've come out with these white robes. The king of the universe just said, hold up, angels. Don't destroy earth yet. Don't destroy these people because I've marked them with my seal and they are mine. I went down to earth, down these people who say they love me, but they're really just comfortable in the Bible Belt drinking their sweet tea. And I went down to them and they don't even think about me. And so they're neither hot nor cold, but they're lukewarm. But another time I came, another time I came and they weren't even lukewarm. They weren't even just being polite. Not even then. They nailed me to a cross then when I came. And those people... Those people are the ones I died for. And it's radical and it shocks us to the core that I can praise him in heaven. Even though I'm not even being deserving of being in heaven with him. And this is why we're gospel centered. Because you have slain Jesus meets risen Jesus meets King Jesus. And at the center of the universe, the very center of everything is Jesus on his throne. And for some reason, you guys are, are invited to it. That we get invited to King Jesus' throne room. You might be wondering, why am I here? How did I get in on this? Have you ever had that happen? Like, I shouldn't be in this situation. This is too good to be true. And that's exactly right. It's too good to be true. And so this is an all nations worshiping Jesus. And these words are just beautiful. Because this is a picture of heaven. The, the picture of heaven is just this beautiful thing that we all get to look forward to and say... I can't wait for it. A, a place where there's, there's perfect peace, where there's no tears, where all the bad things come untrue. And this is one of those things that feels like whether you're a Christian or not, everyone seems to be on board with heaven. Most people don't really like to talk about hell, even Christians. But heaven, everyone seems to be on board with. Yet, not everyone's on board with heaven. Do you guys remember a song by an old Beatle named John Lennon? Imagine. Should I sing? My wife always tells me not to sing. I shouldn't sing. So I'll sing. No, no, no. But the song is this. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us only sky. Imagine all of the people living for today. No, okay. What? Why? 
why would John Lennon actually say, imagine if there's a world without heaven. Wouldn't that be great? What? I've always thought about that. Why is that what he's saying? Why, why is Karl Marx saying that, that religion is the opiate of the masses? Why would anyone be against this? I mean, and Karl Marx probably wasn't thinking of every concept of religion was bad. He probably would have been for love thy neighbor. He probably would have been for bear one of those burdens. But he was thinking, and I think John Lennon was thinking, is if you believe that there's another world out there, then it's going to get you off the hook for what you do here on earth. And in a sense, that's kind of how things have gone in, in, in sometimes in history. Uh, and they're, they're kind of uh, making critiques towards the rich. So uh, the rich if, uh, would say, you know, okay, yeah, you've been oppressed. You've been driven to the ground. Okay, okay, oh well. Um, you've had a tough life, but don't worry. You'll, you'll get a better one next time. And so one of the reasons I think we misuse this planet is because we think, let's just live for heaven. This one's a wash. Do whatever you want. And, and Lenin was saying, let's just live for today. Let's take care of this world and take care of the people around you because this is all we got. Now, I don't agree with John Lennon 100% because I believe there's heaven. But you can also hear some of the kernel of truth in there going, yeah, heaven shouldn't absolve you from earth and from the here and from the now. Christians, you know the phrase, can be so heavenly minded, they're, they're no earthly good. And, but Christians should be the most heavenly minded and the most heavenly good, right? It, it, it shouldn't be this way. It, when you know what it is that we're moving towards and what God commands of us, then we should be the most earthly good. It's because we see how it's supposed to be. It's the template of what it's going to be like and the beauty of heaven. We just can't be satisfied with where, the way it is here on earth. We can't be satisfied with the status quo. And so we can't play around anymore and think, oh, it's not my problem. Jesus' prayer in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, is Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so whatever is happening in heaven needs to break in and push into this world. We can't just say, oh, that's nice for them over there. Maybe they should have their church and us our church. No, there, there are no neighborhoods in heaven. Right? There, there are no divisions and there are no slums. And so Revelation 7, Matthew 6 are these bedrock verses that push us outward into this new church that we're calling Mosaic. And it's going to push us outward into being a multicultural all nations church. And so why are we multicultural? Because the world's finding it trendy. Because we want to be politically correct. Or because it's a gospel issue. I've had people I know and trust accuse us of doing this church because it's popular. And you can get offended and you can get angry and you can get sad. But I think what happens is when we reduce the gospel 
to just this personal relationship with Jesus. That's just just the vertical reality of, of what who I am with Jesus. That's just a partial gospel. And it, and it makes this conversation that we're having here sound like a sidebar. But it's not a sidebar because because God works in families and God works in cities. And he works in communities. He works in covenants. And the two greatest commandments are love God and love your neighbor. Right. And so we are commanded. We're commanded to love one another. Commanded so that if you don't love one another, we sin. If you don't love me, you sin. And so we are commanded to love every nation. And if we don't, we sin on earth as it is in heaven. And that's our cry. You know, we aim for both loving God and loving our neighbor. And our value of being gospel centered is in focusing on Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us. And that it is finished and now seated on the throne pushes us out to love our neighbor well. And so if that's what heaven is and heaven's going to go on forever and ever and ever and ever and you and I are going to be there, that means you and I are going to be living forever and ever. I believe we're going to live forever. And I believe you are going to live forever. It's not as if something's going to change once you get there. Obviously, you're going to get a new heavenly body, but you as the person are going to live forever. Why is that not able to start right now? Like, let's start forever right now. We are living in forever now. That we are going to continue this this heaven here on earth. And so this is my question for you. Is, Is Christ, as he is in the center of the universe now, is he the center of your world now? Or something else. Without Christ at the center, I'm speaking from experience. I feel like my life is just spasms and jerks of of just being torn back and forth between the the latest thing. Without Christ at the center, we are are easily um, um, attracted to the latest advertisement. And and the, the latest seduction, the latest siren. And we become obsessed with this or with that. But with Christ at the center, we are infatuated with who he is. And we want to go deeper into it. It's not as if someone's saying, you must. We want to. We want to be in this. And we want to move across the street to our neighbors. And so how can forever start now? How can the picture of heaven push life into the daily grind for you? What does that look like for you? And as we go later, we're going to stick around and eat some food. Remember, this all Jesus, all the times message punches the devil in the face. And that's beautiful. (laughs) We can be gentle with other people. We can be be brutal with the devil. (laughs) We can take this seriously. And so it's an every nation, every tongue, Rosetta Stone gospel. Christ gets glorified. God has no limitations on, on who comes into his kingdom. And when we come, did something happen behind me? I was like, was that, that wasn't funny, I thought. We're going to switch it to that way next year, next week. <laughs> so anyways, let me finish with, hey, bring your dirty shoes into God's kingdom. Bring your dirty, muddy shoes. Bring your shame. Wash it in the blood of the lamb and worship only Jesus forever and ever and ever. Amen. Let me pray for us.